Shopify presents Cool Sheets from Aha to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts. This is the Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 54 of the Back Check. Brendan and Stefan here, as always, the Back Check on Unhinged Radio, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. We have an exciting show because the Rangers are back, the Islanders are back, and the NHL is finally in full swing. We've had some crazy stuff happen over the course of the first week already. Some Highlight real goals, highlight real saves. We've had a couple of surprise teams. The Sabres are 2-0. and I don't think anybody saw that start coming, despite who their opposition have been over the first two games. But it's just been great to finally get to sit down on my couch after a day of work and go, you know what? I'm going to turn on a hockey game. So that's always exciting stuff. How you doing today, buddy? I'm tired. And I'm not tired because you woke me up this early to record. I'm tired of the Islanders fan base and every fan base flipping pancakes after two games, have the Islanders been good after two games? No. Have they started off well under trots ever? No. Have they gone to the postseason every year under trots? Yes. Have they gone on long runs? Yes. Everyone's got to calm the F down because I get it. They've been bad. They've been terrible. Everybody's been terrible except the top line and a couple of players here and there. But you're going, it's two games. You start a road trip, a 13-game road trip. You're missing a key piece of your fourth line, which, again, Islander fans know how it impacts them, and it's really impacted them. You're missing Varlamov. Again, Sorokin hasn't been great, but Varlamov's a stable guy in goal. You want him back. Both guys should be back. Martin should be back tonight against Chicago. And Varlamov could start Thursday, which is great. But at the same time, you played Carolina, a favorite to win the division and potentially the Cup. Then you played Florida, a team that's a very good team that could also be higher up in their division and go on a cup run. So when you look at that, everything that happened, it's not like they lost to Buffalo. You know, they weren't Montreal. They didn't get lit up by Buffalo 5-1. to one. They played bad. They lost to two very good teams. Now, tonight against Chicago, Chicago has no wins. So the Islanders, this is a good t- test tonight. 
if they play terrible tonight against Chicago, is there room for panic? No, it's game three. But it's a little concerning if they don't play their game this week. If they if they go through this week and they go 0-4 and they look terrible, again, no panic button. It's so early in the season, but that would be concerning. Let them let them fail against Chicago and Columbus, and then you can start complaining whatever you want to do. But they've never started well under Trots. Chara, 44 years old. He struggled mightily. He'll figure it out. It's not. It's a similar system to what he played in Boston. I just think he needs some time. He's on a brand new team for the first time in a while. Andy Green's got to figure it out, and they'll all come together. The Islanders always do. So I don't know why fans love to flip out and say, "Oh, the season's over. It's two games." Relax. Season's not never over after two games. I think that the concerning part for the Isles is how they're losing. Because they're getting slacked and not really in aisle style of hockey. Do I expect them to finish the year with a 5.50 goals allowed per game? Absolutely not. That'll drastically drop. The thing that I am concerned about is Sorokin hasn't bailed out the defense when they've been poor. And the defense hasn't shown up as of yet. And you mentioned they played two teams that uh, you and I both believe are going to be around come the end of the season from coming out of the East. And uh, that's a hard way to start the year, but at the same time, the Islanders are a much better team than giving up five goals per game like that. So it, that, that I think, is the concerning part, especially if Varlamov comes back and, and it still you know stands true. Because I hope for the Islanders' fans' sake that Sorokin – he's not the reason. Let's, let's not say that, but it is concerning when it, – it's his first time actually starting. He was prepared to come into the season and start because Varlamov wasn't in camp, and that's how they're playing in front of him, A, and B, how he's responding to some of the breakdowns. Call me a researcher. I got some advanced stats on Sorokin. They're not good, but I think it's more on the team in front of him than him because, listen, like I said, I wrote this to somebody on Twitter. I said, we got so used to seeing Sorokin bail the Islanders out all the time last year and in the postseason so you could say he's not playing to that level this season, but he shouldn't have to bail you out left and right. So his 5-on-5 five five stats through two games. Expected goals against a 4.71. He's allowed nine. He owns a negative 4.80 goal saved above average. Second worst. Well, that's a great stat. Shows that he's not making the saves he has to. At the same time, look at the defense in front of him. It's not making life easy at all, but that's not a good stat at all. He's faced 17 high danger chances. High danger shots, excuse me through two games that's second most in the nhl his high danger save percentage is 647 that's fourth worst so those stats tell you a lot it tells you Sorokin's not playing to the level we saw of last year early on it's also showing you this defense is just getting picked apart how are you allowing that many high danger shots already through two games your defense is your bread and butter when the islanders don't play their defensive system they fail they lose it that's how the islanders are built that's the concerning part because if their defense is going to fail, we know their offense is slow and you know not consistent enough. Why they rely on their defense? Their defense fails. The offense isn't picking up the slack. The offense hasn't really been there. You scored three goals in the first game, but you know they weren't like, oh my god, you dominated pace of play. Carolina dominated pace of play in the Florida game. Florida dominated pace of play. They got a few chances. There was a goal disallowed. It wasn't good enough. But I think once the Islanders have a strong defensive game, they go from the back to the front, defense to offense. They'll be just fine. This defense just needs to figure out the kinks here and there. And, and then, I mean, you got to rely on your veterans. There's so many veterans up and down this lineup. 
I hope hopefully Martin coming back is a pulse and a spark that the Islanders need. You mentioned goaltending. Yeah. And I think you kind of segued it perfectly for me. So the Rangers last night beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 in OT. They are averaging two goals a game even, which is, from this offense, just completely unacceptable. Granted, Strom and Kako are both out now. Kako's on IR. He's missed a game and a half. Strom has missed two. So they're playing with a makeshift lineup already. But they're giving up only 2.5 goals per game. And I think that when you're looking at the defense, you're like, wow, they're really starting to settle in. Absolutely not. Uh, the goaltending that you just mentioned has not bailed the Islanders out in the two games so far is doing the exact opposite for the Rangers. And just to put numbers out there to match that sentiment, Philip Grubauer has faced the most shots in the league in four starts. He's faced 105. In three starts, Igor Shesterkin has faced 99, right? He's got a goal saved above average of 4.05. That's number one in the league. He's faced 27 high danger shots against, and he's made 22 saves. He's got an expected goals against of 7.84, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous, the numbers. He's 815 high danger save percentage, a 1.62 high danger goals against average. I mean, his numbers are just absurd to start the season. You've been waiting for this. Well, the the thing is, it's been that way, right? He's never – last season he started slow but he still finished top 10 in all those categories. He, he yeah. is a goaltender that will make some crazy stops. And the, the difference between him and Lundqvist is, I think, athletically, Shesterkin's able to recover so much better on rebounds that it doesn't look like he's making some acrobatic saves when re- in reality he is. So those numbers are kind of on par. They're just a lot higher already than they were early on last season. And based on his performance over their two wins, right? In Montreal, he made, I think, 34 saves. And he was the reason they won that game. You go to Toronto, he makes 40 saves in a game where they get outshot 41 to 23. They lose 75% of the faceoffs. And the, the only thing is they can't beat Chesterkin. And uh, the amount of flashbacks that I'm getting now from the Henrik Lundqvist days where the team in front of him is good enough to score two or three goals and they just, hey, Chesterkin, you're going to have to steal these games for us. It's eerily similar and disturbing as a fan because you're telling me that we cannot put a better team around that type of goaltender and and then you have to pinch yourself and say Kako's hurt Strom's hurt Zach Jones isn't up Barron's not up you got different things that are haven't come into fruition yet yeah I mean this is I don't know if it's concerning but the Rangers shouldn't have to rely on Tristurkin to score uh, to make 30 to 40 saves every game their offense like we talked about should be elite they are missing guys like you said I mean, that overtime last night was insane. Wild. And you just you just look at the the Rangers offense is there. I mean, Campbell did have some unreal saves as well. This was a, this was a fantastic hockey game from start to finish. It was close. It was what was it one one right going to overtime? It was one one. Yeah. I mean, those are the games the Rangers have been playing. They're playing Islander style games. Yeah. Don't score, and then hopefully your defense picks you up. And defense includes the goaltender. So I'm assuming Shesterkin was the number one star. I heard. I heard uh, some of the post-game stuff where everyone was like, yeah, Shesterkin was, I mean, without him, I think it was Zibanejad. He said, without Shesterkin, we're not winning this game. Common yeah, sense, uh, obviously. Igor is Igor. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I think that what the Islanders are going to realize, too, is that they have it in Sorokin. Sorokin hasn't had the consistency of time yet. But Shesterkin now is third year into the league, and they're saying, here's your contract. Here's your starting spot. It's yours. 
And yesterday, Galan even said at 7 p.m. It, we're going to announce a starting goalie. And that, I know, rubbed me the wrong way. Rubbed oh, a lot your, of fans oh, the wrong I way. I saw your tweet. It's moronic. And Georgiev's breakdown of his games against Toronto, he had two good games. The rest of them were below average. So there's no reason for us to think that he's God's gift to the world against the Maple Leafs. And he made the right decision because if Georgiev's a net that game, that's a 7-1 loss. That, that's how good Shesterkin was last night. We'll, we'll we'll see if if they let him play. If I was Gallant, they have two days off now, three days off. They play Thursday. Georgiev does not touch the rink until they have a back to back, and even then, it should I, be Kincaid. I wouldn't. These points early in this, we've talked about it. I know points are points in an eighty-two game season. The points at the beginning of the season are the same as the points at the end, statistically wise. But I feel like it's easier in the beginning of the year to get points. And if you want to get points, you start just Sturkin because it gives you the best chance of getting points. Especially when you look at this division, I know the Rangers aren't going okay. We got to beat the Islanders, but you're talking about an Islander team that's struggled out of the gate. There's other teams that have struggled out of the gate. Right now, the Rangers, you you go from they lost right, lost opening night, then they what? They lost in overtime or they won? Yep. They no, they lost in overtime to Dallas. Then they won against Montreal, won against Toronto. So they have points in yeah. three straight. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the the thing that I'm taking away from this before we you know segue out is listen they got points in three straight and they got points in games where last season they would not have gotten points in exactly just and that's that's because have, of Shesterkin. Yep, he would have played great last year against toronto say but they would have found a way to cave in at the end and give up a goal they wound up solidifying that defensive like zone come 10 minutes left in that third period toronto was getting chance after chance after chance all of a sudden 10 minutes hit and the Rangers kind of picked up the play, and they did it by forechecking. They did it by using their big bodies. And that, to me, is a good sign. The other good sign, and I don't know how many Rangers fans want to admit this because there is a vendetta on Truba's uh, head because of that contract that he has. But in OT, he made two of the best defensive plays that the Rangers have had all season. He stopped Austin Matthews from cutting into what would have oh, been a walk-in yep. goal after Shesterkin made a crazy save. Tied up his stick, used his body, and... Matthews couldn't move through him, save the goal. And then, I think it was a little before that, Matthews pickpocketed, I think it was a Kevin Rooney pass, and is going the other way. And Truba, instead of reaching for the puck, which he would have missed, just completely skates right through Austin Matthews, breaks up the whole entire rush, Rangers are able to recover and go the other way. I think Panera wound up having a pass as a banana That's what led to the Campbell glove save, which was awesome as well. So he made two plays that were surefire goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs in overtime. And you got to give him credit for that because that's what they need him to do. Yeah, Austin Matthews, that move where the puck just slid right past the crease. Yep. Uh, you saw Matthews go to the bench and just hunch over like he was nauseous for missing that. I mean, Panarin that would have been a crazy way right to come away. back. What? So then Panarin scores like 20 seconds after that. That too. shot, I know Kimba probably wants that back, just the angle, but that was a beauty of a shot. I mean, you can't put that in a better spot from that angle. That was just no. a hard shot. I don't know if he was – Kimba was there. I just think that it was just too fast. I think it was maybe through a screen. Well, um, I mean, you back... could speak uh, – sorry to cut you off. You could speak better on this than I can, but the puck yeah. between him and Zibanejad was bouncing the whole time, and then before you it even settles, he's ripping it. That's what so I'm saying. It was too, the play, to the play was too fast. I feel like Campbell was there. Just not even not even bad reflexes. That's just a credit to how fast Panarin gets it off his stick. But going back to the Campbell glove save on his Banajad, I know I texted you right away. Can I got that goalie mindset? Campbell got very lucky on that because if Zibanejad waits a millisecond, Campbell is sliding all the way over for a pass that was never going to happen. 
I think it's lucky and good because well, if, it's good because he re- rebound yeah, not rebounded in that recovered, sense, but he yeah. recovered. I th- but when you ask any Rangers fan, right, who's watched yeah. Benajet, Benajet has those two-on-one moves down to a science, and I, I want to say it was against Tristan Jari last season. He was struggling. He didn't have many goals, and he came in the exact same scenario and did that exact same move when going bar down on Jari and like that's oh, when soccer. Let me guess, glove side. It was glove side, but soccer. he usually has the ability to hold long enough where the goalie is either cheating or has to go down and then he goes up so he saw the net he probably shot the puck thinking it was going to go in and campbell was able to recover like you mentioned put that glove up take it away and it was going to take a perfect shot to beat either one of those goaltenders in that ot and panarin did that finally first goal of the year get that monkey off the back he had he had looked miserable the first four games up until that point he was making tape to tape passes to the wrong color jersey Every single game. And in the biggest moment, him and Zibanejad, their two top players on offense, step up, combine for that goal. And those are the games, by the way. And I'm sure Islanders are the same way, where, where you have no business winning and you find a way to pull out those two points, your confidence just starts to surge. And that's that's a good thing to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, that pretty much that's the NHL in a nutshell for the Islanders, especially with the underdog mentality. Now, see, this is the problem, I think, now. I think the Islanders love that underdog mentality. They love going into games that are not expected to win and coming out with wins. I think it probably makes them feel really good in them in the postseason, of course. That underdog mentality fuels you. Coming into this season, you're a Stanley Cup contender. You're, you're, you're being picked to win this thing. That pressure is reversed. You are no longer, oh, wow, if you win, you get praise because you shouldn't have won that game. Now it's like you shouldn't lose. So I think... I don't know how much players look into it. Obviously, we're not in their head. They're professionals. But there could be a lot of added pressure on the Islanders to succeed, and that might be a lot for some of the players to deal with because for the first time pretty much in any of these players' careers that are on the Islanders, maybe not Chara because he's been on really good Boston teams, or Paul Mary when he was, you know, not even him with the Devils. They weren't really good. I'm trying to think of players in this lineup that were ever on teams where it was like, you go and you win every game. You're that dominant. Now the Islanders are expected to win, and when you don't win, that's added pressure. But again, the Islanders have to get back to basics. They're not losing games because they're not talented enough. They're losing games because they're not playing to their strengths. And when we get back from break, we'll talk more on the Islanders' struggles, more on the Rangers' look ahead to their schedule, and some NHL news because anytime you hear Vander Kane's name now, something is going on. you got to hear what he did next. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Brendan, so before we get to this stuff, I hypothetically threw a parlay last night that hypothetically had four teams in it, including the Rangers, to lose. And I texted in my group chat when I saw your tweet that said, Rangers get a point. And I texted, let's go, light, uh, Maple Leafs won. And then I looked, and they were in overtime. And I wrote, F, I jinxed it. They're probably going to lose now. My bad. Rangers win. Parlay out the door. On my own account, I hypothetically threw that same parlay again because, you know, I thought I was really confident. So, two losses. 
to cover my losses, I decided, you know what? Let me bet the last two games of the night. Anaheim, and this is all hypothetical, remember. Anaheim, to beat the, the Flames. Flames were heavy favorites in this one. Yep. And the Blues to win by two over the Coyotes. Well, when I went to sleep, it was 1-1, Blues-Coyotes, and Ducks were down 2-1. to one. Woke up this morning, Ducks won in overtime, and Blues put up a 7 spot and won 7-4. to four. So I made my money back, uh, I, Hypo- hypothetically. I saw that line on the MSG pregame show. The Ducks? Like the Ducks were... I bet the Ducks in hypothetically three parlays. If you give me anybody plus that much against the Flames, I'm usually going to lean towards them. I decided not to. Um, well, I, the I'm reason I did right it now, so. is because, again, hypothetically, hypothetically, yep. hypothetically, John Gibson was back. And I love John Gibson. I mean, he's fantastic. And when they were losing, I was watching going, Flames are just outplay. Like the Ducks, I think, had like 14 shots. And then I looked back five minutes later, they had 14 shots. I mean, they weren't generating much. But they generated enough, so yeah, here we are. What'd you think of that Matthew Kachuk penalty? Oh, was, which one was that? Was that the one where the puck was going into the crowd and he jumped up oh. and batted it down, and they gave him two minutes for interference? First of okay. all, the puck was clearly out of play. Second of well, all, it, it would have be been applauded. out of play. It would have been a penalty. So they should just give the penalty for delay a game. He's saving a fan's life. That was, I think, that's why he did it. I mean, we're not in his head, but that was launched into the stands, and I think he saved. He probably saved some money. So I don't know why he gets a penalty because think about it. It's already over the – it was going over the bench. The replay was clearly going to show that. He, hit delay the, he made contact with the puck over the glass. Exactly. So that's bench. a delay game penalty on whoever shot it out. And I wouldn't give – why is Kachuk getting a penalty? He wasn't trying to do it to stop a, the penalty from whatever was going on. Like The only thing I could think is because after he made contact, the puck went back into play. Pull the whistle. I, that that's I don't think that should have been a penalty. I've never seen that happen before, and I think the hand eye for him to be able to reach over his head that's, like that—that yeah, that, that was mean, absurd. That was nuts. I was like, "What the hell did I just see?" But yeah, no, no reason that that should have been a penalty. Uh, one of the more interesting plays I've seen. Speaking of sticks and crowds, Jack Hughes scoring the OT winner and throwing a stick into the crowd—that's like an NHL celebration. That was phenomenal. And I hope people do that more. But that's dangerous. How nasty was like that goal? That, that goes that goes nasty. That's Jack Hughes, everybody. That was. I mean, he's health. he's tremendous. He's gonna be. Su- he is already a great player, and you know, you look back at that draft. I know Kako goes second to the Rangers. Hughes goes number one overall to the Devils, and you're like, oh, he's too small to play in the NHL. Well, he gained weight. He's just a freak of nature. I mean, that's a sick goal. That's sick, sickening to watch because he confused everybody and the goalie and made it look like he did it in his sleep. I mean. Yep. The talent. The talent from that family. The genes and here in that Rangers family. And are waiting for their picks to uh, to show any type of glimpse of that. Well, he's hurt right now, so. I don't mean just him. Yeah. Well, going back to the Islanders for, for a brief second. So, Dan Chara has not gotten off to the best of starts with the Islanders. Pretty bad. He's playing with Noah Dobson. I hate using plus minus to like ever talk about a stat, but against Florida, he was a negative four. He has not been a negative four in a game since 2010. You got to call it minus. Minus four since 2010. There Jeez. we go. Well, it's not plus negative. What? 
It's not plus negative. It's plus stop minus. It. Just stop it. All right. So shout out to uh, Michelle Anderson who we got on the show. He had a good stat. Five on five goals against for Islanders D-men. Five for Char. Char leads this. Five for Char. Mayfield and Green have both been on the ice for four. Dobson for three. Pulak for two. Pelic zero because Pelic's a god. But you're looking at the way Char are playing. And I, I sent this to somebody. The perfect example I could use about Char on the ice right now is if you had a kid. You were outside on your street or in your driveway playing with your kid. He's offense. You're playing defense. And you want him to feel happy about playing. So you just let him walk around you. Score some cool goals so he can be happy and you can be that proud dad. Well, Chara looks like he's 44. He's getting beat pretty much to every puck. Getting beat around him. He's not clearing the puck. He's not making smart decisions. And you have Noah Dobson on the other side who... Took definitely strides last year. I, I really thought he should have played with Green again. I liked it. I know you want to learn from as many people as you possibly can. But right now, this defense is in shambles, and it's tough because Chara and Green are both in the lineup at the same time, and both are playing to their age. Now, I don't blame Chara. One, There would be one season where Chara, he finally looks his age. He finally doesn't play like he's mid-30s anymore. He's playing like he's in his 40s, and it's sad to watch because you know his time's coming to the end. If this keeps up, I don't think he remains in the starting lineup very long. I think they have guys in the minors like Salo. Everyone's calling for him. Sebastian Ajo might get a chance in the next couple of days because he earned it at a camp. I just think the Islanders may have over overestimated how much these guys could play in Green and Chara. You know, Lamarillo came out and said that these players are players that can play 82 games. It's not, that's not, I mean, I know why he said that. These are two professionals that over their careers, even in their age, have shown they can still do it. Like Andy Green can still play top line minutes last year. Like he could have done that. He's playing top line minutes in the Devils. I think Char was averaging 18 minutes per game. Like they didn't show signs of slowing down yet. I don't know if it was the long off season, you know, not long, but getting prepared for a longer NHL season. I know Char was waiting to sign with the team. Did that have an impact? He was there for the whole camp. It's just tough to watch because if the Islanders' defense is going to be their bread and butter, their two biggest weaknesses can't be on defense. Yeah, I mean, eventually signing 40-year-olds does come back to bite you. Yeah. So you said you don't blame Chara because he is starting to show his age, but you got to start blaming Lamarillo a little bit for only going after people who are veterans. I mean, it's a similar thing to why Rangers fans are so irate over the offseason for jury because all they did was go out and acquire people that added quote-unquote grit and some of those players like <laughs> Patrick Nemeth looks like absolute dog you know and you have Zach Jones now sitting in Hartford who should be playing in the NHL and I think that you see the same exact situation with the Islanders where you have both Green and Char seeing significant roles on that uh, defensive side of the puck when you have somebody and I know that was the first player I noticed for the Islanders in preseason when we were at the game was Salah and how good he looked with the puck. And I think that if you have the ability to let one of those guys come up and play on a team that you know is going to be defensive and you know is going to have a structure in Trotz's system, why not let the younger, more skilled, more mobile defender come in, play, have the assistance of one of those veterans while also being able to help spring you the other way and start to pick up your offense, especially now that Letty's gone. Well, a perfect segue, Brendan. I love how that works. You know, the Islanders lost Letty. They traded him to Detroit. 
because they had to. They need to clear his cap. The Islanders have been cap-strapped. The problem is you didn't bring anyone to replace him. You're talking about a puck-moving defenseman. Now, could Dobson be that guy? Dobson certainly has the tools to be that guy. But Salo showed in, in the, at least the preseason games that he played in and Cam, he's got a great skating ability. He can possess the puck. He can shoot the puck. And he plays defense. The problem is, I don't think it's right to put a player like Salo that young into the lineup right now until they figure it out. Let me explain. You put, Let's say you take Char out. You put Salo in. Every rookie makes mistakes to start the NHL career. It happens. No one's perfect coming into the NHL unless you're like Kale McCarr in the playoffs. If Salo comes into this game, into either of these games, I don't think the Islanders win them. I think what you have to see happen is let the veterans work it out because they will. And then you get Salo in when the, the, the system is compact. Because you put Salo in there, it's not going to be his fault. He's going to make mistakes. The team's going to make mistakes. You don't want him playing in that system right now. I mean, it's going to be great. He'll get his minutes in. You want him in the system when it's thriving so he can learn how to play. If he goes into the system now, he might have to be the hero or play up higher to a level. And you want to rush his progression to being an NHL player. I think, like I said, I think if he's in these games, they're not winning. And I think it'll hurt him more to not play in a strong system rather than wait, play 15 games or whatever in the, in the minors, in the AHL. And then when the Islanders are in full swing, I'm probably on like winning streaks or whatever they got to do to get back into this. Then you put him in. Because right now you put him in there. The Islanders are lost. They got to find a spark. I, I just don't think it's good for Salo. I'd rather see Aho in there. Aho does have NHL experience. It's a tough decision for the Islanders. I just don't want to see Salo come in, come into the lineup, get abused because he's playing with so-and-so as a linemate, making a ton of mistakes, and the Islanders still haven't won a game. Let them win a couple of games, then get him in there. Well, you mentioned getting abused. You just talked about how Chara is. So wouldn't you rather have somebody quote-unquote get abused who can learn from that and be a consistent productivity, uh, have consistent productivity on the back end for the foreseeable future? Or would you rather the 44-year-old guy who is on a one-year deal who can't can't really move anymore have that and, and cost you games? I'd rather the young kid cost me games than the veteran. Well, they have Ajo. Aho won the job out of camp to be up with the NHL. Salo, I think they okay. want Salo to play every day in the AHL, as he should. I think Sebastian Aho deserves the chance because Aho has shown to be an offensive defenseman over his career. The downside has been his defensive play. I don't think Trotz would have kept Aho up here over Salo if he thought that Aho couldn't play well in his own zone. Because, you know, like I just said, the reason that he's probably in the minors, well, first off, he's waiver exempt. So Salah could go down there. But if Salah's up here waiting to play, he's just wasting away in the in the box watching the games rather than playing every day. I think Aho, they have the trust in him. Again, Trotz must have seen something on defense to say, that, okay, we trust you. Because after three years, yeah, I mean, Aho hasn't played a game really since 2017-18. So if there was no reason Aho was staying up if they thought Salah was going to be someone that would help them right now. So I think you let Aho get in there. Let Aho prove that he can handle it. And if he can't, then you obviously have to call someone up. Hickey is not going to be called up. He's struggling already in the AHL. Sebastian Ajo, uh, excuse me, Robin Salo should be the next man up. We just have to see how long the leash is. We know with Trots and the veterans, he hates pulling the, you know, he hates taking them out of the lineup. He really doesn't. We saw Leo Komarov play over Oliver Wallstrom. We saw Travis Zajac play over Oliver Wallstrom in the postseason. I mean, he's shown signs of, I'm not the veterans playing. Again, I don't disagree completely with that. But at the same time, if Char continues to be negative, excuse me, minus, 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 but not even that, 
just making the mistakes that you just can't make. And the Islanders lose, and he's playing a factor into the losses, which he has. Everyone's to blame, but he's played a factor. So is Green. So there's a lot of guys on defense. And you can blame the forwards for not getting back and helping out. I just don't see Trotz calling up a rookie and putting him into a mess. I'd rather him call up a rookie and put him into something, some kind of similarity to what we saw last season where the system's in place, he could learn from it. Yeah. Um, we talked about the road trip being the, the hardship, right? And I think when we were talking about that, we were anticipating that they were going to have a tough time and try to and have to try to get to that. I think the number we said was 15 points out of the 13 games. And we were talking about that in terms of their defense being the Islanders defense. Well, it's going to be significantly harder to get to that 15 point mark if they're giving up what they're giving up right now chance wise. And that's not me insinuating that they're going to continue to give up five goals per game. Like I mentioned earlier, that's not happening. Every team adjusts, especially after a couple of games. And they played the two of the hardest teams are going to play this whole road trip now. Now you go into Chicago, which I know Chicago has off to a tough start, but going into that building is still a very tough place to play hockey, especially now that there's packed capacity. So you're going to go in there, and that's a team that has a Patrick Kane on it. They have Kirby Doc. They have Dominique Kubalik. They have guys that can make you pay if you're giving them chances. So it's another team that's very dangerous, and I think it, that goes for the majority of teams in this league where they have players that can make you pay if you're giving them wide-open chances. So the Islanders don't really have a choice. If they want to make this road trip salvageable and they want to be able to come home and open up UBS not too far out of a playoff picture, they're going to have to tighten things up. And I think that Char will be the first guy to tell you he's going to have to be better. Green will tell you he has to be better. Trotz will tell you they have to be better. But saying it and doing it are two different things. And I think if you have an Aho who is younger and still ready to go, why wouldn't you make a slight change? Send the message to your team that this is unacceptable. Even if it's just for one game and then Char comes back in, Send that message now. Say that we have guys who we believe are younger, better, and can replace you. You have to play better. That that's just my look on it. No, and I agree. And I think I think that not even Char and Green playing bad, but it affects their line mates. You know, Mayfield hasn't looked great. Why? Because Mayfield's playing with Green, and Green hasn't looked great, so Mayfield hasn't looked great. I mean, that's how defensive pairings work. It's you know. It's not just, oh, Chara's playing bad, but, wow, Dobson's been great. No, Dobson's feeling the pain that Chara has because Chara gets walked. Dobson's on the rink. He can't help out enough. If Dobson makes a mistake, you know, last year, Andy Green cleaned it up. Chara has no ability to clean it up right now. So everyone's just being, you know, you're seeing the worst of the worst from these guys where last year maybe that was covered up by the system or whatever was in place. It's just tough, but like you said, you know, any chill is the greatest league. Any team can beat any team on any given night. Just because the Blackhawks have struggled out of the gate, they still have, like you said, Patrick Kane, Marc-Andre Fleury, a Vesna winner, is in goal. Yes, he hasn't been, but the defense in front of him hasn't been great. He struggled. His stats have not been great if you look at, like, the advanced stats. Mm-hmm. I think he's behind Sorokin with uh, goal saved above average, all that stuff. This would be a big test. Like I said, those first two games, yeah, they're bad games against two of probably maybe the top, definitely top ten, top five teams maybe come the end of the season. You know, obviously, it's a very long season. Anything can happen. But Chicago's got guys like Patrick Kane. I don't know if Kirby Dak's healthy. Seth Jones. I mean, this is not a joke of a team. They're not as good as the teams you've played because they haven't really had time to gel with all the new acquisitions playing in real games. But if you play the way the Islanders played against any team in the NHL, the Sabres, the Coyotes, you will lose. You will lose every game. It's not 
that's not even like a that's a fact. If yep. you play this bad against any team, that's why they, like in baseball, if the Yankees play this bad against a team that has 120 losses, they might win because that team's just that bad. But there's no team that are that bad. The Coyotes are bad, but again, they could win. There's teams that could just. So I think with the Islanders, get back to basics against Chicago. Get pucks deep. If Martin's back, I'll let the fourth line establish a forecheck. Again, the fourth line's been terrible. Trotz called them out and said they've been awful, and he said he could say that for a lot of his lines. They have not gotten pretty much anything yet. Top line looks great. I like that. The second line really hasn't woken up. Brock Nelson looks good, but everybody else quiet. Third line, you know, Wallstrom finally scored. Uh, finally, two games. He scored a goal. It was a nice goal. But you need more. Just the energy. I think you're lacking energy. This is why I think it's very important that Martin comes back. When you, you think about the two p- missing pieces right now, Varlamov and Martin. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. Who's more important to have back right now? To me, it's Martin. If Varlamov's in these two games, yeah, I know Sorokin wasn't great. I don't see a different result. Varlamov is very good, don't get me wrong, but he's at, I like Sorokin, and like everyone that's been in the Islanders' system for the last couple years, they're as good as their defense. If the defense doesn't play well, it doesn't really matter. So I think Martin being back, this fourth line, again, I don't. it's so hard to describe to fans that aren't Islander fans what this fourth line brings on a nightly basis when they're on. Again, when two of the, when one piece is missing from the fourth line, they're useless. They've showed it. They're useless. But together, my God, do they have the power to wake a team up? And Martin returning tonight, laying a, a big hit in his first shift or making a big play, just going to bring the whole mood up. I mean, you're on a two-game skid. You haven't played well. You need a spark. You need a spark. And if the spark's not going to come from a coach's talk in between periods or before the start of the game, it's going to have to come through someone's play. Someone's got to step up, lay a big hit. Martin is that guy. And if he's back... I really believe if he's back, the Islanders find a way to win this game, but it's not going to be easy. Well, I think they have to win this game. You don't have a must-win after two games of the season, right? The third game of the year is never a must-win, but for their sake, just to start building up on some confidence and you know, not falling too behind on a road trip that we all talked about is pretty integral to the remainder of the season, then uh, you do probably have to win these games. The winnable ones you have to have and the ones that you – shouldn't win or are not favored and i should say like the florida panthers game and the hurricanes game those are games where if you could steal a couple that's how you salvage the road trip uh the rangers are on a mini road trip too uh, they've only played one home game out of the four they have a couple more road uh, games they play in nashville and ottawa i believe before returning home so they also started this year on the road they they've managed to go uh two and one on the road and then you look at the islanders they're zero and two to start but they've played I would say two significantly superior opponents. So when you get the chance to play the Blackhawks who have struggled to start the year, Mark Andre Fleury is going to be their starter. He's looked like he's a little sluggish. You have to take advantage of that. The one thing that does scare me is that this game is a ESPN nationally televised game. And whenever you have that national television come in and you know, it's going to be aired you you kind of get those types of games where both teams wake up and they tend to be a little more high scoring. And when you have those high scoring games and you're giving up five, six goals per game, usually that doesn't change in these types of games. So we'll see if the Islanders can break that trend. And that's not anything concrete. That's just what I've noticed when you watch these big games on, on big networks. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's a big test because Islanders could just 
No, no one really besides Islander fans probably watched those first two games. This is the first national look for the Islanders, a team that's supposed to win the Cup. Under the spotlight of ESPN, play like that. And if you play like that, you're going to come out with a win. You look at this, this the next two games, Chicago today, Columbus on Thursday, four points. I mean, you got to at least get a point tonight. For Again, it would, even if you get a point tonight in the packed United Center with the Chicago Blackhawks team, first t- game on ESPN in front of their home crowd, a point is not something to he- hang your head depending on how you play. If they play really hard and come up with, a, with only a point, it, you take that. You just need points. you got to start collecting points. On this road trip, two points is not going to be easy, but if you collect points, keep get it, go on a streak. The Islanders love streaking. Start it tonight. Well, get a point tonight. Uh... Beat Columbus. Keep going. I mean, you're talking about this is a chance for you to turn around your bad start. If you let this go and it's 0-3, you go into Columbus. Not a great team, but a team that plays hard, and you, now you're 0-3-1 or 0-4. I mean, again, no holes... Too big of a hole for the Islanders because they show every year they go on win streaks. But you have to remain at least at sea level as this road trip goes. If you win, if you go 500 on this road trip, I'm not going to say it's a success because good teams beat bad teams, great teams beat good teams. The Islanders want to think of themselves as a great team. But again, given the circumstances, you got to return home at least at 500 because, first off, you're not going to return to a fan base in a brand new arena playing lackluster hockey because, yeah, that should spark you. But if you've been playing that bad for 13 games, why is that 14th game gonna gonna be any different? Yeah, I know you're in front of your crowd, but if the system's broken, it's not gonna magically be fixed. So I'd rather see them. I'd rather see the Islanders struggle right now, figure out what they have to do, and then figure it out towards the end of the road trip and come home strong, rather than just completely be a dud and then go home and be like, all right, Magic fans, bring it to us. We need you. Let's win the game because if you go home playing under 500 hockey, the pressure of playing at home isn't going to be one that's like, let's go, we want this. It's going to be, wow, we have to win. And when you have to win, you hold on to your sticks too tight, people overthink, and you lose games even worse. So I think for the Islanders, it's just back to basics, beat Chicago, do what we have to do. Take that win, go into Columbus, and stomp them because you're the Islanders, you should stomp Columbus. Yep. There are bad teams. Columbus is not a great team. John Charles is no longer the coach. Seth Jones has got, I mean, this is a Blue Jackets team that, I think Max Domi's out now a couple weeks. So you have to take advantage. The Islanders failed to take advantage against teams that had issues of their own last year. The biggest thing was playing the Capitals twice when COVID-19 riddled their lineup. No Samsonov, no Ovechkin, no Kuznetsov, no Arlov, and the Islanders got shellacked in two games. When teams are going through stuff, like Chicago that struggled, Columbus with injuries and lackluster play. You need to pounce on them. You cannot let them play their game. If they play their game, they will beat you. And the Islanders have been great because when the Islanders get the puck, they set up, they do their thing. They make the opponent play to their game. When you play to another team's game, you get caught in their trap, and it makes it very difficult to get two points. But I think the Islanders will get two points tonight in Chicago, and hopefully that sparks them for finish off the week on Thursday with another two points. They do play again on Saturday. You just got to start getting points. You just got to start getting points. This is also the Chicago Blackhawks home opener. Uh, So there's that added element as well. So it will be a packed house um, on the Madhouse, on Madison as they call it. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, I will not be tuned in tonight. I got some plans, but hopefully the Islanders can find a way to right the ship, if you will. Uh, And you look over and we'll go back to the Rangers quickly before we talk about the Evander Kane saga. But 
The Rangers, we've talked about the offenses, not there yet. Zabanajet has five points. He's he's been quietly producing. Uh, he's been one of the lone producers. Kreider has three goals. Panarin picked up a goal. So the guys that needed to get on the on the sheet did. And and hopefully that can carry over into a game now against Nashville, who's not as sturdy, right? They've played uh, two good Canadian teams in good Canadian buildings, right? Anytime you go into the Bell Center for a home opener, that's tough. Going into Toronto is never easy. But now they get to go into Nashville, which is a, not an easy place to play either. But Nashville is not as dominant um, offensively as Toronto was. So they're able to – I think the Rangers will have some more transition to their game. And then you look at Ottawa on the weekend. So they, they have a chance here to finish this four-game road trip, I believe. And and if they can kind of sweep it over the next couple of days and go back home before one-and-one, one, that, that there's going to be a lot of confidence. And in, in my opinion – the only way that the Rangers, and I, I talked to you about this earlier, are in that mix for not the wild card spot, but for making the playoffs as a two or three, which we talked about was a possibility, is if Igor Shesterkin at the end of the season is a Vesna finalist. That is the only way they do it. They're good. They're coming up. They're getting there. They're finding their own identity in, under Gallant. But the only way that they're able to get to that level is if they overachieve because of their goaltender. And so far in the season, they're 2-1-1, one, and, one, and in those two wins, the only reason they won the game is because of their goaltender. They've scored just enough to survive the onslaught that they've given up. They haven't necessarily given up high, high-danger chances. They did against Toronto because Toronto's a much better team than Montreal is. But Igor Shesterkin looks like the guy that they thought they were getting when he came over from the KHL. He looks like the guy they thought would be replacing Lundqvist, and he kind of looks like the guy he's replacing and how Lundqvist would save the Rangers from so many disastrous uh, seasons. And when the Rangers were going to Cups and going to the Eastern Conference Finals and going to the playoffs, it wasn't because their team overall was dominant. It was because they played tight, and every time they made a mistake, they got bailed out by the guy in goal, and that's kind of what we're seeing now. So parallels are there. Shesterkin looks like Shesterkin. And you have to be optimistic that once Kako and Strom come back and the offense starts to score, that you're talking about a team now that's really hard to score on and really easy to score for. And that's the. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner recipe for for going somewhere all right brendan so evander kane seems to be in the news every single week and this one might have trumped all the stuff for just you know obviously whatever he's doing with his wife and his family that's that's really messed up but this is by far the biggest mind-boggling move ever evander kane has been suspended 21 games for handing his team the san jose sharks a fake vaccination card now, we know in the NHL, if you're not vaccinated, you can play. But there are definitely different restrictions on you if you're not. We saw with Blackwood. You have to get dressed in your own locker room. You can't stay in the hotel. Blah, blah, blah. Forget what you think about the vaccine and if you think that it really helps or not. Whatever. That's your opinion. Keep it to yourself. Mind-boggling with everything going on in Evander Kane's life. That he chose, chooses to do this. Chooses to do this. You'd think a guy wants to escape what's happening and play hockey. 
just wants to play hockey. How do you hand in a fake vaccine? Do you think you weren't going to get caught? First off, the league already has eyes on you because they really, it, it seems like the NHL does not want a Vandekamp ever playing hockey again. Everything that he does, he gets in trouble for. I don't think it's... Do I think it's deserving so? 100%. He's put himself in the spot. You make your bed, you lie in it. Now, I'm not saying that he's guilty of everything happening with his wife. His wife. It seems like he never bet on San Jose Shark games, but he did have an issue with casino. I mean, there's just a lot of things pointing to you. Evander Kane is not, not a great thing for the NHL right now. What's worse than what he did? Well, actually, I don't know if it's worse, but it's up there. Is his apology. And his apology had me laughing. First off, let me give you a little bit of background about Evander Kane, shall we? Brendan, he's been suspended six times in the NHL. He was banned for two games for an illegal hit when he was on Winnipeg in 2014. Yeah, One game past, for a... past suspensions don't matter. Just ask Tom Wilson. No, no, I'm not saying this is a reason for his suspension now. I'm just saying Evander Kane's, you know. Evander Kane he's... got 21 games for a fake vax card, and Tom Wilson got a $5,000 fine, which is the maximum allowable under well, the CBA. Well, did you see what happened the other day with the headbutting? Which one? The one that wasn't called. Oh, the one that, excuse me, one that was just a fine. And then the one that happened yesterday. Well, yesterday was Booch. <laughs> yeah, Booch never got suspended, correct? He got a game, a match penalty. Yeah, so I don't know who it was. I want to say it was someone with the Calgary Flames. I'm trying to think. That got fined. Do you know who I'm talking about or no? I I don't know. I know what happened. Oh, okay. So it was, it was Ra- Rasmus Anderson on the Flames. He was fined five thousand dollars, the maximum. I love it. The maximum allowed under the CBA. It's crap for roughing Edmonton Oilers forward Keller Yamamoto, where he pretty much headbutted him. But they said that because hit the glove first and didn't go directly to the head, that's why he wasn't suspended. That's why he was just fined. Whatever, ridiculous. We're talking about Evander Kane here, though. But at, what I was trying to get from all the suspensions was the fact that this apology was just weak. It was just weak. And I'll read it for you because um, I'm good at reading. Just give me a second to find the picture. So, I'd like to apologize to my teammates, the San Jose Shark organization, and all Shark fans for violating the NHL COVID protocols. I made a mistake, one I sincerely regret, and take responsibility for. During my suspension, this is the funny part, I will, I will continue to participate in counseling to help me make better decisions in the future. When my suspension is over, I plan to return to the ice with great effort, determination, and love for the game of hockey. I'm sorry. You need to go to counseling to help you make better decisions to not lie about a vaccination card? No. You go to therapy and stuff dealing with, I don't know, you know, anger management, mental health. I'm sorry. This is not a mental health issue. This is you being a, you know what, your POS. You're being a POS. This has nothing. This is because you didn't want to get vaccinated and you wanted to play hockey. What is what is counseling going to help you do in this situation? Hey, did you was the decision you made correct? No. Did you learn from it? Yeah, I got suspended. Okay, are you going to do this again next time? No. Like, what is counseling going to do for him? Stop making stupid decisions. You're a grown male. You're a professional athlete. People look up to you. Probably not anymore. You have so many other things going on wrong in your life. How about you just stop being a dick? <laughs> like, like, like that's I, a bit. Like, just stop. It's it, like again, all these, everything that he's been suspended for: bad attitude, bad hits. The guy's a dick. I'm sorry. I, I know this is a family friendly show, but that, that's it. That, that's what he is. And he wants to play hockey again. That's great. 
you had to earn the right to play in the NHL. This is not a God-given right for you. You're a great, fantastic athlete. That's fine. There's a ton of athletes out there that didn't make it in the NHL. And not because they were bad people, because they didn't have the skills to be there. Evander Kane has taken his whole entire NHL career for granted. Now, he's been on some bad teams, but even last year, he was fantastic. He's a great hockey player. He's doing a disservice to the Sharks, who are trying to come out from the cellar of the NHL after bad seasons. He's got a guy like Eklund, a young guy on his team. He's got Hurdle who wants to leave. Like, Evander Kane should be helping the Sharks play solid hockey. He's hurting his team. He's hurting his image. He's hurting his family image. And it's just a bad look for the NHL when you have to deal with a guy over and over again. You can look at Tom Wilson. You know, Tom Wilson doesn't get suspended for breaking rules. I guess. He gets suspended for his on-ice play. He plays on the edge. But, at the end of the day, I feel like Tom Wilson... Not that I feel like there's more respect for Tom Wilson than Evander Kane. Again, Tom no. Wilson's not lying about a vaccination card. I think there is a little more. Uh, maybe in his own locker room. No, that's what I'm saying. In his own locker room. You're talking about a guy that you know teammates love to play with. How does Evander Kane's teammates look at him now for, again, we, again the vaccine, your business. But everyone else in that locker room got vaccinated. You lied, which means you put their, not even their lives in danger, which you did. Imagine a player is trying to make a name for himself in the NHL level. Call up. Gets COVID. Never gets a chance again. Why do you get COVID? Teammate was lying about being vaccinated, got COVID, and spread it. What if there's an outbreak? San Jose is playing another team as an outbreak because Evander King got COVID. Everybody gets it out. Again, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't have it. You know, the NHL worked really hard. Very hard. I know in the bubble, no one had, no one had COVID. They were 100% great. Last season, there was a COVID issues. A major league with the Vancouver Canucks. Terrible COVID issues. You thought this season you would try to mini- minimize that. And the NHL did a great job. I think 98% was there five players that weren't vaccinated. Yeah, but at least they admitted it. They admitted it. They didn't put their team in danger because they did the, they did the proper thing. That's just that's being a good person. Like, you're judging Evander Kane's character because he makes boneheaded decisions like this. I just just stop or just don't you know the NHL should be like you know what we're done well you I did- I don't think he would ever he's ever playing for San Jose again no but like when does it become I don't want to say criminal what he did but like this is a big deal lying about a va- this is a federal document saying that you've gotten vaccinated like it, it is a huge deal and if you don't think it's a huge deal just look at what the possible issues could arise from just one player lying coaching staff gets i mean like it's so hard to explain like what he did was so wrong and it's not again it's not because therapy is going to fix that or because he had a lapse of judgment this is a vander kane over and over and over again and i just think it's time that the nhl is going to have to make a decision after this 21 games if he does something like this again not not a bad hit but like something with his team where he has to be suspended or with the league that's it i Cut think the it's court, the owner should be on the player I, I think he has to take a leave like, serve your suspension and take a leave. He's got way too much crap going on in his own life, let alone to add this to the to the fire. But you got to have this some league? onus on he's yourself. Gonna, if he leaves and goes, you know, not playing hockey, what Dumbson is going to do in that downtime now that That's, he has? That has no effect on the NHL, no effect on anybody but himself. He's got to figure out his own personal life. He's got to figure out what – like, these things don't just happen, right? If it was a one-time incident where he faked the vaccination card – 
Will he get suspended? Probably in this day and age. Would he make 21 games? No, I feel like the 21 games is a little excessive because of everything else that's surrounded him over the last three months. And I also feel like everything that's surrounded him besides this vaccination card has been off the ice. I mean, even the vaccination card's off the ice. So take a leave, figure out yourself, go take care of whatever you have to take care of with your personal life. Don't let it be in the media because I hate that stuff. I hate when things like divorce or all that stuff's aired publicly. Oh, that, that should have been so, private, and that should be handled by a so private go do that. For, like, yeah. Go do that and then come back. San Jose, if they let him play again, after what his teammates have said, after what's been going on, that would be a boneheaded decision. So take a breath. If Tony D'Angelo was able to you know, take a leave a little bit, basically, not play the end of that year, he somebody's going to give him a second chance. Uh, as much as people hate it, the NHL does give players their their chance to come back, so I think he should take. Oh, a I believe everybody deserves a second chance. You don't deserve six or whatever right. you want to rack up. I just think it comes a time where it's like, all right, one more time, and you're going to your room forever. Like you just. I know can't that have people this. don't want to hear this either, but what Evander Kane's been doing over the last you know four months is significantly worse than anything D'Angelo did. But people oh, hate D'Angelo so much worse, so much more. Well, and the media really hurt D'Angelo with the whole fake Keon- stealing Keandre Miller's puck and, like, the whole race war, which never happened, which, again, the media like, gets clicks. We know it. You get headlines. You get clicks. You get money. That's all they care about. Not the facts. Screw facts. What are facts anymore? Nothing, No apparently. one has facts. It's all opinions based on the significantly small fact. You can just twist any way you want. But, no, if, if Anakin's an issue, and I mean, it's just it's sad. It's sad when players that have that much talent just cannot figure it out on how to be just model human beings. It, it's tough. But you live and you learn, I guess, Brendan. You live and you learn. Yes, you do. Well, with that, episode 54 is going to come to a close. It was, it's been fun talking about uh, Rangers and Islanders. Hopefully the Islanders can bounce back and kind of get themselves into the win column again. But we will see how that game unfolds in the home opener for the Chicago Blackhawks. The Rangers are going to look to continue their winning ways after a couple of days off against the Predators in Nashville. Exciting times to be watching hockey just with all the goals that are being scored, saves being made. Three-on-three overtime. Every time you think you've seen it all, you get something else, and it continues to push for please eliminate the shootout and give me 10 minutes of three-on-three overtime. But that's a discussion that we'll have another day. So thank you for listening to this edition of the Back Check. We'll be back next week. And until then, enjoy the week of hockey. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.